because Marin isn't a Pokemon, we, we put a Pokemon station on Pandora, which plays like some of the songs from different like Pokemon albums. And that station also plays like video game music, which is pretty neat because it gets it like, you know, she now recognizes like the Legend of Zelda music or Mario oh, Brothers cool. or Tetris, like all these songs show up, show up on that station. And then one of the songs that also shows up on that station is a uh, the Teen Titans Go um, song from that Japanese band. And she had never seen the show before, but hears that song all the time. And so last night we ended up going on YouTube and watching a bunch of clips from Teen Titans Go. And then the today we ended up watching like the first five or six episodes that are on that Blu-ray cool. that the Warner Archive put out. And uh, she's really into it big hit yeah it's a little bit more like sassy i think maybe a little too sassy for her yeah. uh the characters are a little bit too like not mean but like jokey in a in like a bigger kid way that sh- i don't think she gets right yeah. now uh well, they are kind of like that yeah i to be honest that was something that occasionally is a little much for me on that show but i do love the show don't get me wrong and, and yeah. raven loved it too uh, I think this will be, we still haven't gotten her into watching Avatar The Last Airbender yet, but I think like that's probably going to be coming up soon. Um, but it was fun watching Teen Titans go with her tonight. Just a quick aside. I came home two nights ago and this actually happened two nights in a row and Raven was watching, um, Young Justice. Oh, cool. Just on her own accord, like found it on Netflix. Cause we'd watched when the Blu-rays came out and she dug it and, but I came home the other night, and it was like she was so excited. Like, she had not seen it since those Blu-rays came out, and she was like, Daddy, I, I love this. You know, she just was totally into it. So it was, it was kind of cool. Does she usually have a good idea of, like, what she wants to watch when when it's time, when she has, like, TV time or, like, st- you know, like, she's she has a block of time? Does she, like, know what she wants to go to right away, or does she... Um, like sit and look at her options. I mean, I would say three quarters of the time she knows, and usually it goes in streaks. Like, uh-huh. like I said, she watched some Young Justice on Tuesday night, and then she watched some more on Wednesday night. Um, and then she'll go back to. She has some regular shows on Netflix that she likes, but she definitely pays attention. Like, I'll add things to the queue um, as I see them come up when I'm looking at uh, Instant Watcher. And I'll notice sometimes when I add things that by the time I get home from work, she's already watched, you know, some episodes of it because it came up in the list. So she definitely like looks and pays attention and it isn't. So it's like she knows she wants to watch. Sometimes it's like she knows she wants to watch Netflix and sometimes she's like, I want to watch a movie. And sometimes she knows which one thing she wants to watch on those. And and sometimes she's like just wants to scroll or just kind of wants let something catch her eye. Mm hmm. What's Miranda like with that? Does she just like, this is what I want to watch right now? Yeah, she's pretty good at knowing, you know, like, like I have to, sh- I have to get her into a new show if we're going to switch to something else. <laughs> um, otherwise, like we would just keep watching whatever show she's into at the moment. Um, so like we would just keep watching Pokemon. And last night we even were watching some other Pokemon um Ser- like seasons 
because we so we finished the the two seasons of the last of the most recent stuff that's on netflix right now there's like older seasons on hulu and then there's even older seasons on amazon um but you know like amazon has season six i think and then um hulu has season 10 and maybe 11 and and then netflix has like season 17 or whatever it is that we're at right now um and so we were like going back and neither of the first of all it was hilarious we we started watching the one on hulu and there were commercials and i thought like they had cut out i thought they had disabled commercials on kids shows but apparently pokemon like disqualifies as a kid show or whatever but it there were Ooh. commercials and she was just like nope I, what is this i don't even <laughs> want to watch this uh she just we, we awesome. could barely sit through one and a half commercials before i was like all right let's just go over to amazon and let's try watching this the show that's over there wow that's awesome yeah uh so it, that was hilarious um i i think that i mean i'm sure she's we've been watching shows where there have been commercials but that was like that was the funniest thing to see um and so we ended up watching an episode on or maybe a couple episodes on amazon and it didn't really catch on just because it felt like you know it was just like it was older stuff the it wasn't in hd it was um i don't know like the newer seasons just feel you know like brighter and fresher and like you know they look better and Maybe it's just me seeing this stuff, but I don't know if maybe Miranda also. Miranda can definitely tell when a show, like when you're watching it on the Roku on Netflix and, you know, you start it right away and it looks all like pixelated and, and gross and it's taking time <laughs> to like, you know, get get the full HD version streaming uh, right away. She will. She's like, "What's wrong with this? <laughs> like, this doesn't look right. Uh, why is it all fuzzy?" Nice. Uh, it's pretty funny. She's already got the, uh, oh, yeah. the video files eye. That's great. Yes. So Brian, I uh, I have fo- watched even more things since our last episode. <laughs> I uh, I've been catching up on some of the stuff that we've talked about. Uh, unfortunately, I failed you in that I did not finish watching Warcraft. Yeah, it's all right, dude. You have not failed me. But uh, I, I will watch it. Or I will finish it at some point. <laughs> but I did watch the new Taika Waititi movie, Hunt for the Wilder People. Nice. I saw uh, it too. It was great. Yep. Definitely one of my favorites of the year. Yep. I'm really excited for the Blu-ray so people can watch it. But it's been available on VOD for a little while. Uh. Um, I th- I don't think there's a Blu-ray coming. I think we might have already talked about this, but I I, I there's one on Amazon. Is there really? To, All right, yeah. let's, I'm gonna go over there right now. It's coming. I want to say the 25th. I could have sworn it was just. Oh, maybe this is the one we were talking about where, where it's like the BDR version. It no, could it's be. Not. It could be. I know. Oh, it doesn't have that. Yeah, it doesn't have that. Um, you know, Blu-ray disc right. crap that they put at the top on, on Amazon when it is typically. Right. This looks okay. legit. 
Okay, you're right. Okay, so I'm gonna cut this. But part it wasn't. Out. I swear it wasn't there uh, as when we were talking about it a couple weeks ago. I swear that it wasn't. It's it's like recently cropped up. I feel like. Wait, it's just sa- it says here on the Amazon page important product information. This product is manufactured on demand in the BDR oh, format. There you go. It will play on all leading Blu-ray players that have the latest firmware. Crazy. Blah 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 blah. But yes. Oh, and it's got the twenty six ninety nine. Yeah. Crappy Sony price point. Mm-hmm. Damn. All right, so I did not catch that. Um, yeah, very sneaky, sis. So th- there might be a foreign Blu-ray uh, to import, and uh, I will look into that. But yeah, so good. Um, darker than I thought it was going to be at, at yeah. the beginning. Um, but you know, Sam Neill is hilarious in it. The kid is so good. It's great. Um, and then. What is the name of the guy from Flight of the Concords and Oh um, uh, Oh Reese Darby? Yep. So he's on uh Flight of the Concords as the manager of the band and he's been in a number of other Taika YTT movies, but in particular like the um what we do in the shadows. He was one of the werewolves. He has uh, the, the best line. One of the yes. best lines. Yeah, a couple of really great lines. Um but he shows up in Hunt for the Wilder People and he is hilarious also. Yeah, I love that guy. I also loved the 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 ongoing running gag of the um the cop and the the woman from Child Protective Services who are hunting them down and uh you know, they could have played her just as like a normal straight, you know, person, but like she just has some hilarious lines and she is just a little bit wacky in a you know, in a great Taika YTT manner, I think. Yeah, he's he's sort of establishing this interesting tone cuz especially this movie you could you could maybe throw some Wes Anderson yes, vibes yes, yes, around definitely. but he does the he does the tonal thing. I feel like I don't want I don't want to say better, but the darkness feels more organic to the story right out of the gate somehow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just the way that Wes shoots his movies that they it makes it harder to pull off. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I, I I really like the flavor and the tone that he's established with just a couple movies. You know, even they're they're very different. Last week we talked about the new X Men movie, um, X Men Apocalypse, and uh, I got the Blu Ray and I watched the Blu Ray, mm-hmm. and uh, I have some thoughts on it. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned before, like this era of X Men you know, or what it's calling back to like the eighties era of X-Men and you know, the early nineties. Um, definitely what I think of when I think of X-Men comics and think of, of the characters and the character of apocalypse was one of my favorites. I mean, I, I really liked him in the comics. I liked him on the cartoon. I liked the, the various toys that they've made of him. And this, I knew right away once they showed photographs of what apocalypse was going to look like in the movie that it was going to be terrible. Like, you know, you could just tell right away, like that it just looked like they got it wrong. And after watching the movie now, it, my first gut instinct was correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did a terrible job with this character. Um, His powers are not clearly, I guess his powers are kind of clearly defined, but not really. I mean, I guess in the comics and stuff, he, he is kind of unlimited power in a way but um they just totally botched it i think um that being said 
uh, like some of the other, some of these recent X-Men movies, it does have redeeming qualities in that, like, you know, the moment with uh, Quicksilver, you know, there was a great uh, slow motion, you know, freeze, freeze moment when Quicksilver does a bunch of things in um, Days of Future Past. And there's a similar sequence in Apocalypse. And it is just, you know, hilarious. Whoever that, the guy is that plays Quicksilver in this, in these last two movies is doing a great job. And I hope that they, um, I, for a moment I was thinking, oh, they should just do a whole Quicksilver movie. But I was thinking, you know what, maybe they need to just like keep him, you know, use him sparingly. And that will keep the character feeling hilarious and fresh and don't overdo it because that's when you start to uh, ruin these characters. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's the mistake they make a lot is, I mean, I guess they haven't done it that much, but um, trying to spin off a character that's really better, as you say, just in small doses for comic relief or whatever. Another thing that these these movies, these X-Men movies and most superhero movies in general is that they just tend to bring in too many characters, too many heroes, too many villains. This one also suffers from that. I think like if they had cut down on the number of people involved, they could have made this feel tighter and, you know, like, I don't know, like more fun and fresh. Um, which is kind of why I like the, the Wolverine movie where he goes to Japan. Um, I think that is probably one of my favorite of the recent superhero movie, uh, era just because it feels like a more self-contained, like smaller tale that's being told, even though it's, you know, got a lot of big action action sequences and there's, you know, the whole big thing at the end, um, it still feels much more self-contained and less like, you know, this isn't like a super villain trying to, to destroy the world thing. Like that story just kind of takes place in its own little pocket and uh, it works, you know, like that. These other movies, you know, X-Men Apocalypse and all the other ones, like they just, these movies don't need to have a villain trying to destroy the world uh, like they always end up doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm well done with that. I mean, I know it's never going to go away, but I could have a little break. Yeah. Uh, I am excited about the next Wolverine movie, though, that they've already started to tease in photographs and photographs and whatnot, but um, I guess we'll see. I think just I think James Mangold, who who did the Wolverine and who did you know the Three Tender Yuma remake and a number of other movies recently, I think he is just you know he's got a a good um, ability to like bring in um, you know like classic influences from from cinema uh, and you know put them into a, a movie like this that uh, where it doesn't like you know it doesn't break it I guess. So, uh, we'll see, but yeah, X-Men apocalypse. I mean, I would say like, it's not the worst X-Men movie. (laughs) I think the worst X-Men movie is clearly X-Men origins Wolverine. Um, no question. Like that movie is just unwatchable. (laughs) You know, a lot of people don't like or hate, uh, the third, uh, what was it? X-Men. Yeah. Uh, whatever the third X-Men movie was, um, last stand, last stand. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate that movie either. I would say that I, I think actually Apocalypse is probably worse than Last Stand. Oof. Um, but it, it, you know it does have good moments. So it does have a few good characters, I think, and sequences. Um, I like the stuff with Cyclops and Jean Grey in this movie. Um, but then, and I and I like some of the stuff with Magneto. I think like they almost got it right, but then it like goes cheesy 
a little bit too soon and then like they just kind of ruin what was a pretty great character for three movies like i think he just becomes you know like a tool for apocalypse and then you know at that point it's not he's just you know like they're just throwing away having a great actor in this movie oh it's a bummer i mean i was remotely not excited but still kind of holding out hope because it was um oscar isaacs and i just that's too bad yeah um I also recently watched Ex Machina, the uh, that movie with uh, Oscar Isaac. Um, we can talk about that another time, I think. But um, man, that movie is great. That is a movie that I want to go back and rewatch, you know, a lot. That's yeah, good stuff. We talked about Filmstruck and the news of the release date. This episode will be going up um, the day before Filmstruck launches. And, uh, I just wanted to, again, mention, you know, like that if you, uh, are interested in checking it out, um, there, they will be offering a two week free trial. I think it's two weeks. Um, so, and, and with that, you can still just use it on the web. So even if you don't have a device that is, um, you know, compatible with the service, like you can still, you know, get a free trial, play with it on the web and, uh, get an idea of what's out there or what's, you know, on the service, which films are there, what the, the special features are going to look like. Uh, I can't wait to see, you know, what it, what it's going to end up looking like, what the final version will, uh, have on it. And, uh, again, the Amazon fire stick, I think is the cheapest way to get in on, uh, on Filmstruck on day one, if you wanted to have it on your TV. And, uh, it's the, you know, it's like $40 for the new Amazon stick. While we're talking about devices, I guess I wanted to mention that this news happened actually like several weeks ago, but Roku has announced several new devices and the reviews have started going out. Um, there's a new really affordable, I think it's like $30 for this Roku Express. That's kind of like a stick. I think it just plugs into your HDMI port, but um, it's like the most bare bones uh, thing available. It's just, you know, 1080p HD streaming, you know, not 4k like some of the other devices. Um, I think the, the cheapest and it's different somehow from the Roku stick. Um, but I'm not sure exactly what you're getting, or I haven't compared the, you know, what the, what the stick is giving you that the, uh, the, the, uh, the cheaper thing isn't. Um, and then they've also announced uh, a couple of other 4K ones, the Premiere, Premiere Plus, and Ultra. Uh, the pre- and with these, you're just paying a little bit more to get a, f- a few more things. Like, you know, the Premiere, which is $80, gives you 4K streaming, but the Premiere Plus gives you 4K plus HDR, and you get uh, a more advanced remote, basically the one that comes with the head port jack or a headphone jack where you can, um, you know, plug in some earbuds and not have to deal with, you know, the, the clunky, uh, pairing that comes along with Bluetooth. And then the ultra, which is $130, which is usually like that, that price point has been pretty consistent with whatever Roku has as they're like the top of their device, uh, pyramid. Um, this one is 4k HDR, uh, it's got the little, you know, advanced headphone thing. Um, and 
you know, it looks pretty good. I think you're still getting with this a uh, Ethernet port. Um, yeah, you do. You get a, an Ethernet port and, you know, uh, 802.11ac wireless or, you know, Wi-Fi. So this is probably the best box to get. Although, again, you know, don't buy this thinking that you can play uh, Filmstruck on it just yet. Uh, they still haven't uh, given it a date yet for when that's coming. It's probably going to be next year. Before we get into some other news tonight, uh, I recently have resubscribed to uh, getting Netflix discs. So um, Netflix a couple of weeks ago reached out to me and offered to add me to this program of theirs called the Directors Group, Directors Club, something like that, where they they reached out to a few movie bloggers online and like said oh hey do you want to be a part of this thing and you know you'll you can help like curate lists and blah 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 and so i was thinking like i haven't had a netflix disc subscription in several years i think at some point i just decided like we aren't really watching these discs that we're getting and you know we sh we pretty much just only do streaming maybe it was even when like they split off netflix discs from the streaming service and they they became two separate things and that's when we were like well you know let's just keep the streaming when netflix offered this uh this me to join this little program of theirs i uh i thought well this will be an interesting opportunity to see if this helps me actually watch more movies um because as i have talked about here and elsewhere um there are nights when I sit there clicking through the long list of things uh, or categories of movies and like don't end up watching anything. And it is, uh, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I'm sure you've, you've been there too. I mean, it's kind of similar to the, the experience of staring at your uh, wall of discs and thinking like, okay, what am I going to watch? And then you just start going through and like looking at titles and pulling things out and, you know, thinking, oh, maybe not tonight. Maybe I'll do another night. And then like, you know, you do that for a half an hour and then you kind of like, you're like, you know what, I'm not going to watch anything tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I do that all the time uh, with these streaming services where I'll just sit there and I'm like, hmm, what do they have tonight that I, that I'm interested in? And then I'll like click through and just like, scroll, scroll, scroll all the way through. And then I'm like, okay, did I, have I, have I, is, is it repeating itself yet? Okay. Now I'm going to, let's go to the next category and I'll just do that. And then I'll go like, you know what, maybe I'll go see what Amazon prime has, uh, <laughs> available. And I'll sit there and scroll, scroll, scroll through that. And like an hour will have passed. And I'm just like, you know, not watching anything. And I was thinking that if I have this disc in the mail, uh, or, you know, like in, in my house that is kind of like a ticking clock of like, you know, how much are you spending on having that disc in your house? And if you watch it, you can send it back and get a new one. And, you know, they have discs of things that you, that they don't have streaming versions of. And maybe it's time to like, you know, see if this pushes you to watching more movies. And I was tweeting about this the other night and a number of listeners actually or readers online replied back to me saying, you know, like, oh, I've actually done this as well. And it, and it has helped me uh, watch more movies. Um, so I'm, I'm using my, my birthday 
uh, this past week as like an excuse to say like, well, I'm going to hear my new resolution is to like watch more movies, even though I obviously watch a lot of movies, but I need like, I need to cut down on the time that I'm wasting not watching movies. Uh, when I'm still like on the screen, you know, like playing with whatever streaming things. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'm just not watching enough. So, uh, I'm, I've got a few discs in the mail coming to me and I'm excited to have a, a new disc subscription again. I mean, I'm still going to subscribe to Filmstruck next week or, you know, <laughs> when, it, when it launches because I can't not subscribe to it. Uh, and maybe, you know, I, I think also, you know, the fact that they'll have all these, um, you know, curated sections and, you know, like little film festival, whatnot, and like categories and themes and things. I think that will help me, um, you know, narrow down what I want to watch or make me want to watch certain things. But I think when you just have like so many options, it just kind of like becomes overwhelming and you just need, you just need something to force your hand to say like, this is what you're watching tonight. And uh, I think having a disc that's like, you know, costing me money to have there will be that, uh, that pressure. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely know what you're talking about, though, as far as the scrolling or whatever. Because my, my typical scenario is basically, like you say, you flip around, you can't decide what to watch, and then I always end up kind of finding something, and then by the time I get to it, only watching about 15 minutes or something. <laughs> and then at the end of that 15 minutes, when I have to go to sleep or I'm falling asleep, I'm thinking, yeah, I could have picked something better than this. So I always, <laughs> but I don't know what it was. It's yeah. not like I go, oh, I should have. Well, sometimes I go, I should have watched X or Y. But a lot of times I'm like, well, this was the best choice, but this, this wasn't what I was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, we'll see how it. We'll see how this works out. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's a good idea, I think. Um, I so let's talk about some news. So, um, one thing that is kind of old news maybe old old in our little world of uh, obsess obsessive home media entertainment collecting uh there's a new disney movie exclusive disney movie club exclusive blu-ray that i don't think we've talked about yet on the show and i don't even know if we've you and i have talked about it but um there's a new uh blu-ray of the uh, film Monkeys Go Home. Uh, <laughs> this one is, let's see, when did this come out? This is, you know, not def- definitely not one of the like, uh, this, is, this is a 1967 film uh, from the Disney company. Um, probably one of those like second or third tier Disney. Oh, yeah. Definitely third tier. Uh, third tier Disney movies uh, that doesn't really have any of the big name stars that you might associate with these types of movies. Is it? Is it? Dean, no, thinking... D- Dean Jones is in oh, okay. is one of the guys uh, in it. And um, not Annette Funicello in this one, I'm guessing. No. Okay. Well, yeah. So uh, this one, you know, I was kind of hoping for, for some other movies that they might put out on Blu-ray, but uh, apparently this one was uh, high on their list, and so they had to get it out soon. Man, see, that's a waste of a monkey movie choice right there. Because uh, if they're going to put out monkey movies, they should put out The Barefoot Executive with Kurt Russell, <laughs> you know, or something. I mean, they got tons of monkey movies. And that one, unfortunately, and I love Dean Jones um, to death, but that movie is tough. <laughs> that movie is, 
I don't know. And I'm very nostalgically forgiving for live action Disney from that period, but mm-hmm. but that one is yeah, third tier. It's too bad. Speaking of Disney things, um this is something that I only just found out about like a few minutes ago before we started recording and I haven't talked to you about it. I didn't even put it in the show notes because I wanted it to be kind of like a surprise. Mm. But um I just found this today when I was reading through the digital bits and uh, I'll put a link in the, in the Skype chat so you can click through now and uh, take a look at this thing. Um, So this is a UK exclusive right now uh, called Zavi introduces big sleeve editions. And I don't know if if you've already heard about this, but essentially they're going to be, releasing Disney Blu-rays and right now they have six titles I think Aladdin Beauty and the Beast Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, Cinderella uh, Finding Dory and Guardians of the Galaxy these are going to be 12 inch sleeves so like the size of you know like laser discs or vinyl records wow and uh it's going to be you know a giant sleeve with a blu-ray in it and I guess it's a fold-out thing um but I just thought, like, this is both ridiculous and kind of cool and something <laughs> that I will probably end up uh, ordering, you know, maybe just the Star Wars film, maybe also, I don't know, maybe Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought, like, wow. Wow, what, I, I have the exact a, same reaction to you. It's <laughs> like, like, what a crazy like, gimmick. Like, who... This seems so pandering and, like, I don't know, but at the, and yet... I kind of see how it m- could work maybe and, and how it's kind of cool like for movie fans that, you know, love the feel of it's like, you know, fake vinyl, you mm-hmm. know, or mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know. Well, that, that size, that format, like the 12 inch size, it just has even now still like has like a nostalgic feel to it. It makes you feel like a little kid again in a way because it's, they're so big. It's just like, it's comical how big they are and but you know the artwork is big and beautiful and um i mean sometimes i'll be at like you know goodwill or uh record stores and i'll flip through like the laserdisc area and there's just something about laserdiscs that even though i know like the format is you know obsolete at this point and it's like you know you're getting this low video you know low rate video quality on these discs but you know the artwork just sometimes even if even if it's not like a great piece of art it still just feels like you know more important than just like a cheap plastic case that you might get a blu-ray in now even though like you know obviously the video quality on a blu-ray is just like exponentially better than what you might get on a laser disc it just feels like it's something special because it takes up more space uh in your hands and on the shelf i mean with this like you would have to put these you know, alongside your records, uh, if you have a record shelf, I guess at home, I mean, obviously these would not fit on any of our, uh, Blu-ray shelves, but I don't know. There's something about this that, that is instantly appealing. And the fact that I think they're, they come with maybe like, um, you know, like artwork and photographs and whatnot inside. I mean, it looks like it from the, the picture that they have of the finding Dory one where there's like three discs and then they give you like photos, uh, inside of it as well. I mean, it's almost like, like a little collector's box set, uh, but not quite as like, I don't know, crazy as some of the expensive Warner brothers 
you know, box sets that they've put out. And I guess also having the size B, the 12 inch record size makes it nicer. And just in that, like you already might have a space devoted to something that size. Whereas like some of those box sets that are out there are just like unwieldy or are an awkward size and don't necessarily fit well anywhere. No, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense just, but just being aware of that, like there are a lot of people collecting vinyl out there and it's, fully back uh and that they might want to have something like you say to go next to their discs and yeah well, box sets are i don't know i'm I'm getting tired of this weird sizes so <laughs> well i think i'm gonna i don't these are coming out at the end of november and i probably will end up ordering i wish the 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 uh force awakens one was the was the blu-ray with Whoa, wait a minute here. The Blu-ray for The Force Awakens comes with a commentary from J.J. Abrams. That commentary was not on the Blu-ray, the the U.S. Blu-ray. Whoa. I wonder if this commentary is going to be on the new 3D Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, so there is. So the, the commentary track is going to be on the new Star Wars Force Awakens Collector's Edition here in the States. Um, wow. But... Hmm. I don't know if I need to own three versions of this movie, uh, but maybe I do. I do like the artwork that they went with. Anyway, I thought this was a cool little thing to talk about. And I'm very curious to see like, if this catches on, you know, like who else might be, who else might do this? Will this come to the, to the U S is this going to be like a Zavi thing? Is this going to be like the new, you know, steel book? You know, people collect those steel books that that Zavi puts out or that other companies put out. Uh, will this be the new thing to take off, or will this just be like a total, you know, like flash in the pan? Like, you know, oh, this is it. They didn't sell very well. We're not going to do this again. Yeah, I'm kind of curious which one of those. <laughs> uh, Warner Brothers has made a few announcements uh, as far as Blu-rays go. They're going to be releasing next month on November fifteenth. Speaking of steel books a Space Jam 20th Anniversary Edition. Uh, <laughs> I'm Blu-ray, so glad we're talking about this on the show. <laughs> Blu-ray, DVD, Seriously. and digital HD. So Nice. I don't know if, if we know yet whether or not this is going to have a new, you know, restoration or anything. Like, it basically just says, like, there's commentary from the director uh, and a couple of special features, like music videos and whatnot. But uh, I love that they're still gonna, they're spending the time and money to reissue this uh, on Blu-ray. Was there was there not already a Space Jam Blu-ray, or was this already was this on Blu-ray? Oh yeah, there was a Space Jam Blu-ray. Okay, that's what Cause I thought. Because I, I have it, and because my daughter actually loves that movie, <laughs> and um, yeah, I've seen it more times than necessary. So, Steelbook is there a Steelbook in your future? I mean. If she ever caught caught a sight caught sight of it in like a Best Buy somewhere, I, I might end up, end up having to get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've also announced a few new 4K Ultra HD Blu-rays, including Goodfellas, which is going to be coming to uh, the UHD format. Uh, they're also going to be doing I Am Legend, The Town, and Argo. Um, of this batch, I think definitely I will be you know. I, I mean, I, I still haven't picked up the... I, I did go into a Best Buy recently and I was kind of looking around at some of the new TVs and, you know, watching some Ultra HD uh, material and, 
you know, feeling the itch of like, okay, pretty soon I'm going to need to upgrade my TV because this looks amazing. You know, mm. with some of these, some of these TVs, some of them look terrible or at least like they're not calibrated right. Or they're not showing you like full 4k video. And so it just looks terrible. And like, this is not selling me on this TV at all. But, uh, it, some of them, the more expensive ones, I was like, oh, this looks really good. <laughs> See, I haven't, I haven't, I've been meaning to stroll back to the TV section, but since I don't buy a TV, but like once a decade, yeah. I don't, I, I just don't even think to go to the back anymore to look at stuff, but I, I really want to see a demo for myself. One of the commentaries in the Blu-ray.com uh, news piece for this announcement was saying like, oh, I wonder how much worse the, the, uh, you know, like the zombie vampire guys from, uh, I am legend are going to look in this 4k <laughs> version because they do look terrible in that yeah. movie. And uh, I can only imagine what they're going to look like in 4k ultra HD, uh, when they're, you know, like in pristine quality, but you know, like the, the ultimately they're still limited by the fact that the CGI that they used for it or just like the the art for them just looks so bad. So, you know, they got to go with what they got to go with, I guess. Yeah. Um but yeah, Goodfellas in Ultra HD. I mean, I would even probably go and buy You know what? I I was going to say I would I would I would get Argo, but you know what? I think I've I I think I have the Blu-ray of it and I still haven't even watched that again. Like I watched it once when it came out. And then I never felt compelled to go back and watch it, even though I liked the movie. No, I have the exact same reaction to it. I, I liked it too, but it's never one that I'm like, oh, it's never even in the mix. Yeah, totally. And again, not because I don't like it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty well made. It was thrilling. You know, there's great <laughs> actors in it. Yeah. Uh, everything about it was like, well done. It's just like, okay, well, I've seen that movie now. Really don't need to see it again. I really, and I'm wondering how you feel about this, but are you feeling much more lately like, well, it seems like you actually revisit a fair amount of stuff, but I feel like I just, it's much harder for me to justify revisiting almost anything lately. I mean, it it happens. It certainly happens, but I feel like I used to do it a lot more and now. I I try to go out of my way to to revisit stuff or at least like watch things that I've had on my shelf for a while that I want to go back and rewatch to. Um, but I know, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think, but I think we in particular, just because we're like constantly flooding ourselves with <laughs> new discs every week. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard to say like, you know, or if you're, you know, if you're reviewing these discs on a regular basis on your website or, you know, in podcasts or just tweeting about stuff in general, like, and you feel like, well, I have this responsibility for my, you know, my my, my part-time gig as a movie watcher. Uh, and so if you don't, if you aren't watching those new things, like, are you, you know, letting yourself down? Are you letting down your readers by, you know, not tweeting about the new movie that you're watching and tweeting about the older stuff. But, you know, I, I try not to let that influence my viewing of things too much. But I definitely think about it. I mean, I'm like, well, there are these things coming out next week uh, on Blu-ray. And if I don't watch them, then I can't talk about them. And, um, you know, how valuable is it for me to go back and rewatch Lord of the Rings for the thousandth (laughs) time uh, versus watching, you know, like X-Men Apocalypse or even like, you know, like watching older Criterion stuff. Like I have all these Criterion movies that I haven't seen yet, but aren't new. 
And then I think like, well, did I just like, how much <laughs> did I just waste watching X-Men Apocalypse versus watching, you know, a movie from the Criterion Collection that I still haven't seen that I easily could have watched in that span of time as well? Shout Factory has detailed the upcoming uh, Blu-ray releases of Dead Ringers and Rabid. They've talked, you know, they, they've now listed um, the new... So Rabid and Dead Ringers are getting new 2K scans. Um, and they list it as like at the director's preferred aspect ratio, which is going to be 166 to 1. Mm. Um, Dead Ringers too, huh? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what Dead Ringers was when it was released by, oh, 178. So, okay, so th- there's going to be two discs, and it's going to include both. So there's a high-definition transfer of the film, for, at least for Dead Ringers, um, where you can get the the 178 aspect ratio version uh, with new commentary tracks from uh, William Beard, who wrote this book on David Cronenberg, and then you also get the audio commentary track with Jeremy Irons. Um, and then on the second disc you get a new 2K scan at the different aspect ratio. And then as well as a number of new interviews, uh, as well as older interviews, which have been on past releases. Uh, I this And this is coming out uh, next month on the 15th, so essentially like a month from when this episode goes out. Uh, I can't wait. I mean, I'm so excited about both of these. I'm, you know, I'm not crazy about the cover art on either of them, but... Uh, I am very excited to dig into some of these. It looks like David Beard or William Beard is doing commentary on both Rabbit and Dead Ringers for for these Scream Factory releases. Um, a couple of other things uh, before we get into the new releases this week. Although, man, we have been recording for a long time already. <laughs> and uh, holy smokes! Wow, <laughs> I did not realize how long we've been on. Yeah, so we've. we've <laughs> Okay, so uh, real quick, um, I guess like the one big piece of news that we should talk about before, and then we can skip all the rest of this stuff, um, the new Hellraiser Scarlet Box for the for Arrow US. So, um, when when did the 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 UK version of the Scarlet Box come out last year? I th- uh, or was it earlier question. this year? It could have been earlier this year, even like real earlier, I think. Um, but maybe late last year, actually. I don't know. So last year, or man, I should have looked this up beforehand, but um, essentially like Arrow UK released a uh, collection of the Hellraiser films with a limited print run of a book that came with it. And then they did a sec, a follow-up release in the UK of the films, um, but without the book and, you know, like a different box of it. They're now in the States releasing the same Scarlet Box edition with the three films plus the Clive Barker legacy disc, uh, the the book that came with it, and uh, as well as like I think postcards and artwork and whatnot, um, this one is kind of expensive. It's one hundred and twenty five dollars I think to pre order it. It's coming out on December thirteenth uh, in the U S. and they. I think have upped the run of of the limited nature of it. So like I think the the UK version was maybe like 5000 units that they were selling, maybe less. Um but I think what I've read is that the the US version is going to be 10000 and 
uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how fast it sells out. Uh, if there is still a market for, for this, this, you know, like how much of the market, how much of the, the UK one selling out was people from the U S importing it. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious to see, uh, how this one turns out. Am I misremembering? Didn't that 5,000 unit, didn't that go pretty quickly? It did sell out very fast. I think it might've even sold out like right before it was released. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it never saw the light of day, you know, after the the release date. I think, I think you're right. Um, so it makes sense. They would up it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of people complaining about, although I probably just need to dig a little bit deeper, but, uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of people complaining about just the fact that it's, uh, you know, that they're, releasing it here and that like the, the limited nature of the, of the first one, you know, will the value of that one drop because there's now this like 10,000 more of these out there in the world that, you know, people in the U S could, uh, pick up. I also don't know if these are region locked, uh, to region a, um, but that seems reasonable. I think to assume that maybe these ones are, um, just because it's now like a U.S. version of it but I guess we'll have to wait and find out unless that has already been discussed somewhere. Real quick, Scream Factory has announced that the uh, Poltergeist 2 and 3 Blu-rays that they announced back at Comic-Con are going to be coming out uh, on January 24th. So, And they've put up cover art and um, just announced that there's going to be new 2K transfers for the films. So the Warner Archive has announced that on November 1st, they're going to be releasing on Blu-ray Doc Savage, Man of Bronze, uh, the Michael Anderson film from 1975. Uh, they've they've had this on DVD, though, before, right? They have. And, and this is a question posed to me on Twitter, and I didn't get I didn't see Warner Archive's answer. I think they were copied. But is is this the first Warner Archive DVD upgraded to Blu-ray? Like something that originated on Warner Archive DVD. And all the other all the other Blu-rays that they've released haven't been on DVD before. Well, no, or at least like the, from them. Yeah, from them. But that doesn't feel right. But for some reason, it's possible. I don't think that's true because I think I'm, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I feel like there have been some of those Blu-rays have been on Warner Archive DVD before. I'll have to go back and look, but yeah, I don't. I, I don't think this is the first. I don't think so either, but. It did give me pause. I just can't remember. But regardless, this is very exciting. This movie is a whole lot of fun, and uh, I w- it's it's the kind of movie I would just love to see, you know, remastered. And uh, I just think it'd be a hoot. So, this week uh, on October eighteenth, we have several Blu-rays out that uh, are very exciting. Uh, there's also a few that came out on Monday in the UK that are definitely worth picking up or at least considering picking up some arrow stuff. And, um, you know, a couple from Eureka and masters of cinema, the big release of the week for me though, has to be the, uh, Guillermo del Toro trilogy that criterion has finally released. It is, uh, a, an amazing, I think it's, I mean, no joke. And I, I, I say a lot of hyperbolic things, on podcasts and I, you know, might exaggerate how excited I am for some things, but no joke. This is probably the most beautiful box set that Criterion has put out. I think it is just, 
it, it is it is also one of the like most impractical ones but i mean it kind of like feels like the size it's a little bit smaller than the zetoichi box but you know it it is like nothing else that they've put out where it's like a the box you know you're lifting up the case of the box it folds out inside it does have sleeves which some which annoy some people um but the artwork inside the book inside it just looks amazing um they aren't just putting in the discs from past releases in those sleeves i mean they did go and create new artwork for the you know like the the exterior uh of the discs or like you know the disc artwork itself and so it does feel like its own separate thing you know there's no spine number on this blu-ray box but um and then there is a, a dvd box as well but that one is essentially just the slipcase with the with the individual uh, Criterion, you know, clear case DVDs uh, of the three films in it. So, Chronos, The Devil's Backbone, and now Pan's Labyrinth. The Pan's Labyrinth disc, um, we over the years have talked about, um, you know, on on the Criterion cast. Um, I, I, th- I feel like in past episodes about Guillermo del Toro's films, uh, I've mentioned, you know, like my, my love of Pan's Labyrinth and I have both the U.S. Blu-ray and then I imported the U.K. Blu-ray because for, I think it, uh, while it, I don't think it necessarily features more supplements than the U.S. one, it did feature like either better video quality or better audio quality. I can't remember now which one was uh, the case, but now I have finally have like a definitive like best version of uh pan's labyrinth where it's got like be- like a beautiful new transfer it's got and it's packed with supplements i mean it has a lot of the same supplements that have been on those past ones as well as new interviews um both with doug jones and then there's an, a nice interview with Guillermo del toro and cornelia funky i think who did who's written a number of um you know like children's middle reader books uh, fantasy books and she's going to be writing the novelization of Pan's Labyrinth that is currently in the works. And, nice. um, which I didn't even know about until this interview. Like I, and apparently there, there was, I, after hearing it in the interview and, um, I went searching around online and realized that this had been announced, uh, earlier this year, but it seemed like it kind of came out of nowhere for me. I didn't realize that, that he, or that, the, that anyone was working on like a, a novelized version of the story. Yeah, I had no idea. That's exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, as as I've said, you know, many times, like he is just one of my favorite filmmakers and just one of my favorite, you know, like um, enthusiasts for film. I mean, it's so hard to not uh, love hearing him talk about movies or reading, you know, his thoughts, whether they're tweets or, you know, essays or whatever. Uh, he is just so enthusiastic about uh, art and culture and he um you know he's just one of the best and so he seems like a great dude by yeah, all accounts totally on top of being one of us yeah so this this box set is amazing and even though i already own the other versions of chronos and devil's backbone i i'm you know like this this set just is you know it makes me happy to even just to have it like you know around the house right now i probably will end up buying the standalone version of Pan's Labyrinth as well during the Barnes and Noble sale, just to have, uh, that other piece of artwork. 
And then I, I might even go so far as to like uh, Criterion has has said, I think, in emails that if people want to buy like the just the box itself for like the DVD box, you can buy that from them and then they'll, they'll you know, like they'll ship it to you. So I might end up buying the DVD case just to have that other alternate artwork for the, the DVD box just because it's some, you know, other piece of Guillermo del Toro artwork. So, uh, I'm a, I'm a completionist. What can I say? It's cool, man. And I mean, it's a great film. I mean, um, it's totally the one that sort of put him on the map for me and which is ridiculous because I know you were into him well before that, but I, and I had heard of him, but, um, I hadn't seen Devil's Backbone. I had seen the studio stuff and had been had thought it was cool, but you know, it didn't it didn't hook me in quite the way that an an exciting new filmmaker usually does. Yeah. And then I saw that movie and I was like, "Wow, he's like he's like a darker Gilliam meets I don't know what." And, yeah, I don't uh, know. I I think for me, I first saw I think Blade Two was probably the first movie that I saw of his. Um, you know, I saw it in the theater and at that point I didn't know his name or even, but I mean, you can just kind of tell when you watch that movie that it felt different from the first one, that it felt like there's something more going on behind the scenes than just a, a typical vampire movie. And, and then after that, you know, I watched Hellboy and at that point I still kind of, I think that maybe I had heard his name, but I st- it still didn't like mean much when I said when someone would say oh this is like this was directed by Guillermo del Toro like I didn't really that that didn't have a whole lot of weight at that point for me um it really wasn't until I watched uh Hellboy the director's edition like the the collector's edition on DVD that had like three discs and listening to him on the commentary track was what immediately sold me on him as being like a a real like fan and like you know like you said one of us and but then also just incredibly smart and well-spoken and just someone that I was like okay I need to now go and watch everything that he's done and I need to like follow up on this because like he is someone that uh I need more of in my life yeah he's he's one of a kind really so also out this week from Criterion is the uh, Shortcuts Blu-ray upgrade. Um, at this point, I think I've seen a couple of uh, people posting about it. I don't know if any reviews have started going up yet, but um, one of my favorite Robert Altman movies and definitely something that uh, I you know plan on upgrading. I'll probably just end up waiting a couple weeks uh, for the Barnes & Noble sale to pick it up, but... Uh, one that I have on DVD and one that we've already talked about on the podcast. We did a whole episode on it uh, years ago, but um, you know, an amazing movie and certainly worth uh, owning in high definition. Yeah, I feel like it's just old enough now that people aren't. I don't know if younger um, film fans have seen it. Maybe it's it's just one of those that's in that pocket in the '90s when I feel like the '80s is a thing that. I think some younger kids will get into in the nineties a little bit, but it's just right there where they might miss it. And I feel like there are some that still haven't seen it that really should. Cause it's a, I think it's a good gateway Altman film. It's just huge and sprawling and fascinating, but also, I mean, but not so, you know, um, it's not off putting or it's not like, you know, 
you don't need to really work very hard to enjoy it, I guess. No. Um, maybe like some of his other movies, like this one feels kind of conventional in the, like the plot of it, but, uh, you know, still manages to pack it full of ideas and like beautiful characters and like performances that, but it's also, I think it's just more maybe, yeah, like you said, it's maybe more accessible. Yeah, it's somehow something about the different, the, all the different groups of stories really sort of, I don't want to say flattens out, but um, it makes his style, you know, that sort of verite or, you know, fly in the wall, whatever you want to call it. It, it, it works really well within the context of switching between those stories for some reason because it feels like you're just sort of drifting um, from one person to another in the same city. It, I don't know, it just works really well and I love it period but I feel like in the, like you say it, it sort of makes it feel a little bit more conventional and so if you're if you watched MASH or something which I feel like that's a pretty heavy dose of his style that could or could not be something that you'd be into you know whereas this it works really well so one of the big releases that we've talked about before when it was announced and one that you've mentioned on uh, our favorite discs of all time episode is the new Marx Brothers Silver Screen Collection is out on Blu-ray from Universal. Uh, this one includes films like The Coconuts, uh, Animal Crackers, Monkey Business, Horse Feathers, and Duck Soup. So exciting. So yeah. awesome to have. Um, I don't know. Have Have you seen, have review copies gone out for this or have it, has anyone started reviewing this set as far as like, you know, the new transfers or anything? I, uh, no, I, I mean, I haven't seen, I'm sure there's probably a few uh, reviews out there, but I haven't seen them yet. Um, I'm just really excited cause they, cause they're, these may be new versions of the films as I understand it, you know, like there may be mm-hmm. some footage that's restored as well as, you know, a, a well needed retransfer, uh, remastering. So I don't know this is just maybe, you know, release of the year material for me. So yeah. And I feel like people that know Duck Soup, and a lot of people do, don't necessarily know Horse Feathers as as well or Animal Crackers to a lesser degree. And those two are mind-blowingly awesome. They're just so funny, especially Horse Feathers, which I sort of underrated to begin with and has grown to be like one of my favorite Marx Brothers movies right up there with Duck Soup. It might be like my number two. Um, So this is such an amazing set. Just... I'm just beside myself with joy. So it's going to be, um, it's five movies on three discs. I think, um, I think they include, I think it's like two films on two of the discs and one film plus supplements on the third disc. Um, I think that's how it works out based on some of the images, uh, on Amazon for it. Um, but yeah, it's, little a little pricey right now like the price hasn't come down too much uh at least as at the time we're recording this it's still at 50 dollars. but i think you know i bet this will go down to like the 30 dollar something range um you know at some point during the holidays and so you know i'd snag it then yeah for sure i think i got it at about 42 or something it went down for a little while yeah but yeah, this is this is going to be a must-have for cinephiles. You know, if you, if you don't know the Marx Brothers, um, I know it's a pricey blind buy, but trust me, it is worth it, and you will not regret it. And I I, I was going to say, like, you know, we were talking about priorities and 
review discs and things like that. And rarely do I make exceptions. You know, I always try to keep at least one or two review discs in the mix when I'm trying to pick something because mm-hmm. I feel responsible. But when I get, with this box set now, I think I'm just going to go on a run of watching, rewatching <laughs> all these movies, even though I know I have other things I should be watching because yeah. I'm just so excited to, to about it, to celebrate it. I might even try to show my daughter these. I don't know if it's the right time or not. Maybe not, but I'm so excited because she liked Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein that I, I'm feeling a little maybe maybe cocky, maybe like um, she's ready for it. And anyway, it's it's really exciting. Was that on the Frankenstein Blu-ray collection that just came out? It is, but I have the Blu-ray separate and I have it on Vudu oh. <laughs> because I, I I adore that film and yeah. and she really liked it so. I've been trying to creep, not go overboard, but creep in uh, the occasional black and white comedy, um, and that was the best one for her. Anyway, so exciting to have these these movies on Blu-ray. It's about time. This week, the Warner Archive is releasing the 93 uh, version of Body Snatchers. Um, the Invasion Continues, the Abel <laughs> Ferrara film. Uh, this one is, uh, you know, stars... A number of interesting people like, you know, Meg Tilly shows up in it and Forrest Whitaker's in it. Gabrielle um, Anwar. Yeah. Who remembers her? Um, I do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm very curious to to pick this one up. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's I, I've seen it. It looks good. And I believe there was an aspect ratio error. Maybe we talked about this when they released. We talked about the specs, but... I think it was released at 235 on DVD and it's actually a 240 and this Blu-ray supposedly corrects that. Don't quote me on that, but I know that this new Blu-ray is 240. Um, So it's really wide and it looks good. Um, And I forgot how gross this movie is (laughs) in a good way. You know, I mean, it's just like the, it's the one that's like, because you have your 56 and your 78 and 78 is got some, interesting special effects to it there definitely is some some gross stuff in that but this one is basically like an 80s gore film even though it came out in like 1993 it's just like a lot of gross stuff a lot of you know fluid and a lot of (laughs) desiccation and whatnot it's it's entertaining you know i i i think it's it's certainly the the lesser of the three because i don't really count invasion i think invasion's terrible um, but of the three, it's certainly the lesser, but it's still a really a fun entry, I think. This is the week. Is this the week of uh, various Olive releases? This is like one of their big weeks of, yes, of, of titles. Um, so this is one that we have talked about before, but you know there are the uh, Korean anime films, The Fake and King of Pigs, um, films like The Return of Dracula and... Um, what were some of the other ones? Strategic Air Command. Uh, uh, special Effects, the Larry Cohen movie, mm-hmm. which I actually started to watch the other night. Speaking of Abel Ferrara, it's got a connection in that Zoe Tamerless from Miss 45 is kind of the star female of the movie, but it's it's not a pleasant movie at all. I mean, it's kind of a about a snuff film. Uh, I don't know. It's not my favorite Larry Cohen, but it's interesting. You know, it's got Eric Bogosian in it and... Um, it's an intriguing Larry Cohen film entry, but yeah, Return of the Return of Dracula, Gas, uh, Little Foss, and Big Halsey, which I'm ex- I still haven't watched that. I'm excited to watch that. Uh, 
so it's an interesting eclectic week from them. Sony this week is re-releasing Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon on 4K Ultra HD uh, Blu-ray. So um, I haven't seen reviews yet of the Blu-ray to see if what the transfer looks like on this one, but uh, I haven't watched this movie or gone back to rewatch this movie in years. And so I am very excited to see if they went and put a new, you know, what this new transfer looks like. Uh, Scream Factory is releasing Child's Play this week, the new collector's edition uh, on Blu-ray. This is the one where they were, where they did like the limited exclusive version that came with uh, the doll, I think also on, which was available on their website. But this is going to have, this has a new 2K scan from the inner positive, a new audio commentary track from the director, as well as I think three other ones, including like the one that has with, with Chucky doing select scene commentary. <laughs> um, and then, you know, new behind the scenes uh, documentaries and uh, interviews and whatnot. So I don't know how well this one holds up for me. Like I, I know I've watched it within the last few years and I remember this one being way more scary when I was a kid than, yeah, uh, than it, it definitely is now. was. Yeah. Now it's kind of, I don't know, but it's, he's, I don't know. He's one of those icons that you, yes, definitely. You kind of, I don't know. He was just a big part of uh, when I was getting into horror movies, he was coming up as an icon. So I feel a, some ownership of that character, although it is pretty cheesy when I watch it now. Mm-hmm. But hats off to Scream Factory, by the way. I mean, they are not slowing down as far as or skimping on their um, collector's editions. It feels like a lot of these are even more stacked than stuff, you know, in the past eight, nine months between The Thing and this and Carrie. I mean, there's just a lot of great collector's editions from them. Hats off. This week, I think, is this the week where the Stephen King titles... uh are now available from Amazon and not just from Best Buy. Yeah. Yeah. So people like myself who've been frustrated, um, can just go ahead and order them for nine ninety nine a piece, uh, from Amazon. Finally, I thought they were actually not coming out until November. So I don't know if they moved them up, uh, which makes sense because people want to have them for Halloween, but yeah. So if you've been holding out or searching your Best Buy, Man, I was in, when I was in Best Buy looking at those TVs, I was also looking for any of the like exclusive Blu-rays that we've been talking about and I could not find any and they did not make it clear like where, where I should be looking for these things. I mean, like I know that that home media is, you know, discs are dying and whatnot, but man, they really should, if they're going to have exclusive discs, like put that out front and center and say like, you can't find this anywhere else and just make it clear for the consumer. Like, I mean, I'm already frustrated with the way that they organize things in. Oh their, my God. Their, it's just like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go to the trouble of like categorizing stuff, like maybe just take the next step and organize it alphabetically or <laughs> in some way, instead of just totally random. Yeah. And, uh, so that people can, I mean, I guess it's kind of alphabetical, but like even still then it like, it, it doesn't, it's never organized very well or like it just gets messed up so easily and they only have a few out of each one and they're sold out of other ones. And it's just, uh, it's just, I'm continually annoyed that that is one of the, the big places you can brick and mortar places you can still go to get movies and it sucks. 
You know, I mean, Barnes and Noble at least, although they're a little more expensive most of the time, um, is is more organized about their media. But I know that everybody goes into Best Buy, and to me, that sort of reflects how um, the studios feel about you know discs and collectors and how Best Buy feels about it and they clearly don't give a crap about collectors at all because they you know if they do have this stuff it's on some obscure end cap and it's mm-hmm. definitely not front and center like you say so it's clearly like and it it just makes me feel like it just reminds me that I'm oh yeah I'm 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 a weirdo <laughs> or something you know what I mean because <laughs> I still but I mean I know people collect movies but I'm like well, why am I the only one that's asking about this or that I mean because every time I go in well I usually go in the Tuesday of or you know the, the week of but they act like they've never been asked that question before so yeah it's too bad it, it bums me out I'm I'm Best Buy is not one of my favorite places at all this week is also the um, Vestron uh, release of Waxworks uh, Waxwork and Waxwork 2 Lost in Time Lost in Time um, are they, so have you, have you picked this one up already or have you? Yeah, I, I checked this out. Okay. Um, it's good. I mean, the, the Waxwork 2 is a little iffy, but Waxwork is pretty fun. I'm, I'm, I've been a fan of that one for a long time and, um, it's, it's got a good transfer and the commentary with Zach Elligan and the director on both one, both movies and they, he's just a very funny, jovial guy. If you've heard him in the Gremlins commentaries or if you've ever heard of him interviewed, I'm just a big fan of him. He's just, he's got a really good sense of humor about his career and he's very sarcastic and in some, in a, in a really nice way. Um, so they have a lot of great stuff to say. I like the commentary a lot, but it looks good. And the movie itself is just a cool 80s reboot version of House of Wax, more or less. Um, you know, gorier again. But it's got John Rice Davies as a werewolf, so that's a plus. So uh, there's a few keynote titles out this week as well. Um, Fuzz, the 1972 film from Richard Cola, and um, The Laughing Policeman. And... That's a that's a good movie, by the way. Yeah, I like that one a lot with Bruce Stern and um, Walter Matthau. The let's see what else did Trouble Man. Out? Oh yeah. That's one of my favorite black exploitation movies. I'm really excited about this release. Um, it's it's unsung, you know. It's Mr. The first Mr. T is the character in this movie, mm. and he and he's great. It's it's better than Shaft. It's better than Superfly. It's it's one of the best. It's oh, definitely man. worth getting. That's, uh, that's high praise. High praise. <laughs> yeah, he's just a really good character. He's a fun character. I just like him. He's just a badass. Isn't there like a, there's a song, right? Like the Trouble Man song? Oh yeah, there's a song and, and uh, Marvin Gaye did the whole um, score to the movie and I think it was his first score. It's great. The whole album is great, you know, of the score and, and the songs that he put together. Um, it, that's another reason it's, and there's multiple versions of Trouble Man, which is a song I already really love um, and was featured in uh, Captain America Civil War which I've always, I thought was a great choice. Anyway, it's it's a really good movie, and people, if you liked that song in Captain America Civil War, maybe you should see the movie that it came from, because it's oh, pretty great. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. That's what that's where, like, it was, like, rattling around in my head when we were talking about this just now. Um, uh, Nighthawks oh, from yeah. Shout Select is out this week, starring Sylvester Stallone, Rutger Hauer, um, 
uh, the, you know, the latest addition to their shout select line. <laughs> yeah, this is exciting too. I, I like this movie a lot and, um, it's, it's, I mean, it was always a joke. I remember they used to run clips of it and I maybe mentioned this on the show. Um, when Stallone would go on talk shows in the late eighties uh-huh. after this movie had come out, there's this, there's a scene where not to spoil too much, but he dresses up as a woman and it's a quick reveal of like him turning around. So you think he's a woman, it turns around and it's him. And they would put that on as like a joke clip when he was on talk shows. They were like, well, we've got a clip of your new movie and they'd put that scene on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was like a joke. And now it's come around to being kind of a, a cult item. And I think it's a really great, uh, movie with him and Billy D. Williams as part. It's it's good stuff. I'm glad they put. I'm glad they put it out. They've also put out uh, the 1981 film The Pit, <laughs> and then which what? is amazing, by the way. Is it? Yeah, just ridiculous. Teddy bear telling this boy to lead people to this pit off in the woods behind his house and throw people into it, <laughs> where these little troll people eat them. I guess. <laughs> anyway, it's good and it's strange. I have one DVD. Oh, what is it? Uh, this is from Warner Archive, uh, Volume Two of the Wheeler and Woolsey RKO Comedy Classics Collection. Oh, yeah. So this is exciting because it's got, among other things, two that I know people had really wanted in um, Silly Billies and Cockeyed Cavaliers. Um, those were like super rare Wheeler and Woolsey movies that um, hadn't been on DVD at all. Um, so this is for, for them alone, I'm excited for this set, but it's like, there's like six or eight movies in there and they, I've Warner's has totally gotten me on board with these guys. Cause I didn't honestly know really who they were until Diplomaniacs came out and then Kentucky Colonels. And then by then I was like, okay, I really like these guys. I want to see more. So this is cool. Did you end up watching... I think you ended up watching. I think I saw you maybe tweeting about this, but the the Cookie Koala show is now out on uh, DVD from Warner Archive in in, in their Hanna Barbera classic collection. Um, yeah, this good one stuff. came out. Yeah, uh, on my birthday. Uh, I this is definitely on my on my list of like, okay, I need to get this set uh, pretty soon. Yeah, it's it's just one of those fun Hanna Barbera shows because, and I think we might again we may have mentioned this also, but it's got multiple groups. I mean, multiple shows inside of one show, yeah. you know, like there's multiple characters. Um, so if you don't like, you know, one particular character, don't worry in a few minutes, we'll be on to, uh, another story from one of the other characters that you probably do like. So, mm-hmm. and, and they always had some interesting stuff, even though it's a lot of copies of copies typically. Um, it's still a fun show and one that I have a lot of nostalgia for. All right, Brian, I think that's about it as far as what we should talk about this week. We will be back next week to talk about uh, some releases on the 24th, including I'm I'm very curious to see how these new um, indicator uh, releases are coming out oh, yeah. next week in the UK. So I don't know when people will start getting them here in the States, but, you know, Body Double and Christine come out next, that week. And then the new Blu-ray of Man Who Fell to Earth is coming out in the UK. Um, and that one I've pre-ordered, but I don't expect to get that for a few weeks. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see how that, you know, when that one ends up getting released or, you know, when the, how that ends up looking that Herschel Gordon Lewis collection comes out next week from arrow. Oh, that's right. And, um, there are a few other ones like, uh, 
The Executioner, I think, comes out next week from Criterion here in the States. Um, and then there are a few other, you know, big releases in the UK. But uh, we'll be back then to talk about this stuff then. All right, everyone. See you next time. Uh, I had a funny conversation today with actually maybe i'm gonna cut this part out (laughs) uh i was gonna go off on a tangent about the shallows but then i couldn't remember what we had what i had left in in the episode from last (laughs) week and so uh i can't even remember now how far we got into the conversation listeners if you if you heard us talk about the shallows we had a whole conversation about the ending of the shallows that i cut out of the show and when i went back to listen to it it like it cut out pretty easily and you can you can't even tell that there was this whole long conversation oh yeah no it was it was and it was really short what we did say about it yeah but i was about to like talk about the shallows even more and then i realized oh wait if we talk about it now people are gonna aren't gonna know what we're talking about so so never mind i'm just gonna cut this part out too I think you should leave in the parts where you say you're going to cut this part out. But that's just me. Anyway. Uh, and then I was almost going to put that, that discussion of the ending of The Shallows at the end of the episode afterwards just to like have it in there somewhere so people could listen to it. But then, you know, what actually was like the the thing that made me think like I need to cut this out is because I said, oh, just skip ahead 30 seconds. And when I actually went back to edit the podcast and I was seeing how long we talked about it. It was really like a minute and a half or two minutes of us talking about it. So like Uh if someone had just skipped ahead 30 seconds, they would have jumped right into the middle of the spoilers. And I thought, and then I was thinking, well, maybe I can re-record myself saying exactly how long (laughs) a listener needs to skip ahead. And then I realized like, that's just, there's more work than it's worth. I'm just yeah. going to cut all this out. Yeah. No one cares about us talking about the ending of the shallows. <laughs> That's a good decision.